Hello, everyone. This is Tomahawk Talk. I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and we're back again on the podcast. But we think, but hopefully, the last time on the podcast for a while, we should be back in the studio at WVFS on campus next week for, for a very special episode. We'll, we'll have more on that uh, later on. But I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary Marlins have been back in action. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, people are moving back to Tallahassee. The fall semester uh, going to get started here in a little bit. Um, I, I pretty much just gave everyone the rundown on what you've been up to. Uh, but what have you been up to, my man? Um, just going to visit some family in Georgia recently. So there's a lot of driving involved with that today, coming back down to the state of Florida. But other than that, just doing a whole lot of nothing still. I'll be playing some golf, but trying to stay away from large crowds and doing that whole thing. So doing pretty well. How about you? Ah, pretty good. Yeah, you know, I registered for classes today with, uh, you know, I'm entering grad school this this coming semester. So I was able to register for classes. Not excited about the workload that I'm going to have on my plate, but it should be fun stuff. And also, you know, as always on the show, our producer, Sebastian Angel Riano. Sebastian, razor hot, lightning are hot. I mean, things are going great in Tampa Bay sports, right? It is a good day to live in Tampa Bay, that's for sure. Uh, I've been having a great time watching uh, the Rays tear apart. Uh, the uh, what is it like six out of the last seven games that they've been in? Uh, they torched right. the Sox. They torched the uh, the Blue Jays. So that's that side's been and good. the Yankees last weekend. Absolutely, I've been liking what I've been seeing from this color uh, from this Columbus series. I know we will probably talk about this later in the show. Uh, so I'll leave that for then. Um, apart from that, it's been a snooze fest down here. Um, last, yesterday was, in fact, the Spanish Grand Prix, one of the most boring Grand Prix I've ever watched, and I've watched a, a good bit of them. Um, <laughs> it was just a one-two Mercedes all the way through. Um, actually, no, Max Verstappen did play second, but um, Lewis Hamilton is once again untouchable in the Mercedes, just like uh, the past what four years now. Um, I'm, I'm starting to lose hope. Uh, that anybody can stop him until he straight up retires. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Uh, yeah, me as well. The Lightning, you know, it's, uh, it's been an interesting series. They have a dominated Columbus, and they have a three-to-one series lead going into game five, which is always good. They haven't dominated the series. Obviously, they had the, the game that went into five overtimes, game one. Uh, I hated that game. I thought it was terrible hockey. It was a great start to the game. And then uh, the teams just like, as the game went on, the like the team just got slower and slower and slower, and the, the hockey just got worse. It might have been fun as a neutral to like watch these two teams just be absolutely exhausted to start a series. It pushed the Carolina Boston game to the next day. Uh, it was supposed to happen like at like six o'clock in the afternoon, and they ended up just not playing it that night. So yeah, I mean that, that's that's unfortunate. The ice would have been terrible to play on. I have to imagine, but. Lightning have a three-one series lead. What more can you ask for, right? I was about to say, as a neutral, I enjoyed texting you guys about how do you guys, how were you guys feeling at the time? I think Sebastian just said like almost like a ball of nerves because it is. I mean, playoff hockey is that way. You're going to be nervous the whole time. I was, I was shaking pretty bad all the way through <laughs> the, those last three. I can't believe that on um, the last three overtime periods. I mean, it was pretty rough starting on the third, but um, yeah, I was just kind of like, uh, it, it got to a point where I was kind of please God, just let it end. It was incredibly painful to, to be 
on the receiving end of five straight overtimes, both as a fan and I imagine as a um, as a player as well, because you're just putting your body through the gauntlet. That's two games. They basically you went by winning one game. You played you played a game of hockey where you tied, and then you played a completely different game of hockey. It was incredible. Um, I hope I never have to see it again. That's all I have to say to it about that. Are are we in the trust tree, guys? Sure. I've got okay because I've got a confession. I didn't watch the whole game. Uh oh. I Big left fan. You're, you're my better house. For it. You're better for it. <laughs> to be fair, I, well, like, the okay, game so I did watch at, the conclusion. The game started at three and ended at nine o'clock, or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was like bad. That. It was awful. I, uh, I left my house after the fourth overtime. I went to a, a, a local establishment a restaurant in Tallahassee with, that had a, a, a sizable deck for me to be able to eat socially distanced away from the rest of the college crowd that's moving back into town. Uh, second time I've gone to a restaurant since turning 21, and neither time have I been ID'd. Uh, I kind of where you uh, went then. So, <laughs> two for two. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and uh, going into the fifth overtime, I was like, I can't watch this. They'll win or they'll lose. It's game one. They'll play again in a couple of days. And uh, then, like, you know, it was like halfway through the, the, the fifth overtime, or maybe like six or seven minutes into the fifth overtime, I was like, all right, let me get it up on my phone. Just you know, purchase. There was no TVs out there. So just threw it up on my phone, set my phone up. And so I got to see the Braden Point goal. It was a beauty. And uh, I'm glad I did. So I, I did watch like a good chunk of the game, but I left my house after the fourth overtime. And we, we've left him over here kind of just chilling on our <laughs> Zoom call. Uh, but joining our panel once again, he's been one of the stars of the summer. It's Gabe Tisness. Gabe, we're bringing you on talking soccer today, talking Good. some NBA, talking Florida State football. But otherwise, what have you been up to, man? Are you, are you back in Tallahassee? Are you coming to Tallahassee for this semester? I know it's a, a weird semester for, for all of us. Hey guys, thank you again for having me on the show. And I am back. Well, I never really left Tally, so but I did move into my new apartment, so it's been pretty exciting. It's also been exciting to see all my new friends and my old friends come back to Tally. And I've been playing some soccer actually in front of uh, Langford Green. It's been really fun um, getting to kick the ball around. And speaking of soccer, I feel like there's been so much to talk about in the world of soccer lately. And unfortunately for me, not not so many good news. So. We'll get into that in the show, hopefully, and uh, I'll I'll try to hold back my tears. Yeah, it's I mean, funny. be grateful that you, that your team was playing, you know, in, yeah. in the, uh, and you got to experience what Chelsea experienced over um, 180 minutes in a 90 minute span. So uh, it, maybe it was less drawn out. It was a quicker execution that Barcelona <laughs> uh, went through. We'll talk about that later. We've got Florida State football to talk about. Yeah. I'm definitely and, grateful that there were not two legs on, on, on our end because that could have been a lot worse for us. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was, <laughs> and Chelsea, Chelsea went through that and Tottenham have been through that and a lot of other teams. Bayern are absolutely on fire right now. And I think, yep. well, again, we're going to say that. There is Florida State football to be talked about. Uh, it does feel good to have practices to talk about, to have scrimmages to talk about. Uh, this was like this past spring was really going to be my, my first spring on the Florida state football beat. I went to the practices. I was, you know, getting a chance to talk to players and new coaching staff. And what an interesting year it was. It was, and is still going to be for Florida state. They're on their third coaching staff in four seasons. It's going to be Mike Norvell and company's first year in charge. And uh, probably, in the history of college football, the worst year for new head coaches at, at new schools with, with COVID-19. 
and, and when I say that, again, uh, I'm not taking lightly the, the situation that the, the rest of the globe is dealing with. But in terms of college football and preparing for a season when you don't even know for sure that there's going to be a season, even at this point, with the drama and the headlines and the new information that's coming out every single day, no way to be sure that Florida State is going to suit up for a single actual college football game this season. And that's tough to say. And that's especially tough to say when, when, when the players and the coaches are trying to prepare for their first season in charge. A, a new install, a completely new offense. The, the uh, Willie Taggart offense is gone, uh, gone, gone down to South Florida at FAU. And uh, Mike Norvell bringing his system into town. And uh, they got a chance to play in a scrimmage over the weekend uh, and a lot of good stuff that came out of it, but some bad news too. There is some bad news on the injury front. However, tight end Jordan Wilson is transferred to UCLA. Florida state was really excited to get him in, add him to that tight end room. Mike Norvell loves tight ends. He, he, he loves using them. He'll, he'll throw them out wide. He'll use them as an H back or traditionally just on the end of the offensive line, but he'll put him in the backfield too. He loves versatile tight ends. I think he was really excited to get his hands on Jordan Wilson. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen in 2020. He's out for the year. They're going to try to get him a medical waiver or a medical red shirt so he can play in 2021. This was going to be his senior season. And, and you hope that that happens. I don't think they're going to have any issue getting that done. But Gary, I mean, losing Wilson, I know he's not, he wasn't going to be a star of the team. But, I mean, again, Florida State's at the point, like, how, how badly does this Wilson injury hurt? I think it hurts a lot because the tight end room, I don't think, is particularly the best right now. I mean, this all this does really is open the door more for Wyatt Rector to jump in and get more reps at the tight end spot. I know we've joked about him a lot, but who knows? I heard he's done a lot of work on when it comes to the blocking aspect of the game, which is something he probably hasn't had a lot of experience with, as he was previously a quarterback when he was at Western Michigan. But... He might be – White Rector might be something when it comes to game time come the fall. Yeah, and we're talking about Wyatt Rector, who was a walk-on quarterback, uh, moved to the tight end position. And every report that's come out over the offseason is that the staff likes him. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten more physical. And even some stuff today came out. And I've always kind of said, like, there's going to be – the way that Norvell runs his offense, the way he includes tight ends – the fact that they moved Rector to that position, it would not shock me if he is in the plans, at least to some extent. With this injury, that the probability of, of Florida State fans seeing that definitely go up. Um, don't know, you know, it's not going to be, he's not going to start uh, by any means, but you definitely see Rector play a factor, uh, you know, at some point this season. So I know we saw the wild Cam last year, but what if we see the wild Wyatt this year? I don't know about that. We'll <laughs> see. I, I, Norvell is going to have to – he's going to have to be clever and be a little tricky mm-hmm. when he runs his offense, given what we're dealing with this season, uh, because you're going to have to prepare for a lot. Like, I know Wyatt Rector is a tight end now, but God forbid, knock on wood, COVID-19 hits the quarterback room. Wyatt Rector can play quarterback. Uh, you've also got some other guys. You've got Travis Jay, I think, that can play quarterback. DJ Matthews could play quarterback. Uh, but Cam Akers isn't there. He was obviously the shoe-in emergency quarterback. And he played some um, as the quarterback last season, but he is obviously with the uh, 
the LA Rams. He's on hard knocks. I saw you, him on hard knocks. Well, do you think if wide rector would end up possibly being quarterback, he would pos- I think he would be the heaviest quarterback in FSU history. I think he's recorded right now at 236 pounds on FSU's website. So kind of, what was Jameis at when he was here? Probably 220? Maybe, but I 236, that's I think that's a bit big for when it, I don't know Jameis' exact number, but I don't I wouldn't have guessed 226. I maybe 220 is a stretch. I'm going to look it up while we continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, again, I'm not expecting to see Rector <laughs> under center <laughs> at all. But we do talk about the quarterback room and another injury on that side, uh, Trevor Purdy, incoming freshman or true freshman, goes down. Sounds like it hasn't been reported. Norvell didn't announce it, but from what we're hearing uh, through social media and through some other channels, it sounds like it's a broken collarbone for the freshman. And uh, 215 for Jameis? 225. 225. Close, close, only about 10 yeah, pounds, 11 pounds, 11 pounds back. I mean, James is a big guy. James I guess so. A big guy. He's just taller, so it's, you, it doesn't, doesn't look all yeah, there. For sure. And so, yeah, Purdy does go down. It sounds like it's a broken collarbone. Um, would put him out for the start of the season if the season starts, even at the delayed uh, you know, start date, which is bad news. I don't expect – Chuba to, to I didn't expect him to get the start week one. He was the higher rated of the two quarterbacks that were brought in uh, between him and, and Tate Rodemaker out of Valdosta, Georgia. I think Norvell and Rodemaker, Rodemaker might have been a little more comfortable in Norvell's system, at least to start. And uh, really hard to tell which one was going to be the, the best. Rodemaker had a really great, great senior year at, at Valdosta High. But again, we don't even know if either of them were going to get a chance to play. Florida State's obviously got Jordan Travis returning this year, James Blackman, uh, who's got the most experience out of anyone in the quarterback room. But Chubb Purdy's out, and that's not good, especially for a guy that was not an early enrollee like Tate Rodemaker. Rodemaker was on campus back in January. He got to get to know the players a little bit, get a little more acclimated to the campus, go through those three spring practices, go through some of those other workouts. But Purdy was still, you know, finishing up high school. Purdy obviously shows up on campus and uh, the vibe around campus and around the world is a little bit different than, than what Rodemaker went through when he showed up. So it was going to be a weird freshman year for Purdy. I didn't know. I, I think COVID already hurt his chances to play. Now with the injury, uh, probably going to be a red shirt year for, for Chubba Purdy. And, you know, it's still early. You never know. But you don't even know if Florida State's going to get a full schedule in. With that being said, I think that leads to a broader discussion about who will be the starting quarterback for Florida State uh, week one when they play Georgia Tech. We don't know who their uh, non-conference opponent's going to be. Let me just throw that schedule update in there. Uh, they're not going to be playing Sanford. I think Sanford is not playing this season, or mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the full story there. But um, Florida State looking for another non-conference opponent. We have no idea who it's going to be. Uh, I guess that we'll talk about that news when we get it. But week one, they're still playing Georgia Tech as the schedule shows. And uh, Gabe, I, let me let me throw it let me throw it to you. Who would you start if you're Mike Norvell? Week one against Georgia Tech, who would you start at quarterback? I'm not saying who he should, but who 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 would you start? Oh, I would start James Blackman 100%. I think he's the one that is most equipped to lead this unit throughout the season, if we have a season. Frankly, I don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is that he has the most experience in the quarterback room, and I think that's going to go a long way in this 
coronavirus season. Um, and not just that, I think he's probably also the best quarterback um, when it comes to just intangibles and his attributes. Uh, I was interested in Chubba, <laughs> like some people were, but um, I, I, don't, I don't think Tra Jordan Travis right now is equipped to be a weekend and week out starter. So I think you just write out James Blackman to start out the season and then see what happens. Gary, thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with James on this one. I was talking with former host of Tomahawk Talk, Luke Fay, earlier about this. He sent me the Chubba news when I was on the road this afternoon. And I went back, it's like I said immediately, I was like, it's time for the Slim Reaper to come back again. So he's going to be back under center this year. I mean, it's the most logical decision. Jordan Travis would be fun. I would really enjoy to see him kind of get a better chance and rather than just rather than just a couple snaps here and there. But ultimately, Blackman's probably the best out of all of them, and I know that's not really that much. Yeah, I mean, we've had so many debates about James Blackman. That's going all the way back to 2017, Jimbo Fisher's last season when he took over for an injured DeAndre Francois. But that really third coaching staff at Florida State. He's a redshirt uh, junior this season. He redshirted in, in 2018, Taggart's first season. Played his redshirt sophomore season last year. This was supposed to be his redshirt junior season. By the time James Blackman leaves Florida State, it's, it, it's going to feel like a decade ago. He's going to be one of those guys who are like, he's still there. Part of that's because these last few months have felt like a few years already. So – James Blackman, no, you guys said it. I think you nailed it on the head. Not a great quarterback. We know that. We know what he's capable of, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not going to, you know, lead Florida State into the ACC title contention, but he's the most experienced. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but I'm saying he's not playing in the right systems, and he's not getting really a great chance because in 2017, he wasn't expecting to play. 2017, also, that O-line was bad. <laughs> The next year comes around, he didn't have the right system. And once again, the O-line was bad. And then, I mean, it's just been, it's been so bad. And like, we've, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but like I've said, I just feel bad for the kid. I mean, it's bad. It's just an awful situation he's been put into and he's still somehow making the best of it. I've got an interesting, I guess, prop bet. And I want to see what your, everyone's mm -hmm. thoughts are on it with COVID-19, and obviously we're not going to predict who tests positive for COVID-19 because that's impossible to do. But with the way the team's going to have to prepare for games in the midst of COVID-19, over under three and a half play, Florida State players with at least one snap at quarterback this season. I'm going to we'll start with under. Sebastian. Oh. Uh, you kind of cut out for me. Over your... under three and a half – over under three and a half players at Florida State are uh, going to make a player quarterback this season with COVID-19. Three and a half? Three and a half is a lot of QBs yeah. to go through. That's a lot. Um, you only really need one to kind of if, – if one gets sick, that means every other dude who's in that QB room is placed under a microscope. They're like, okay, where are you? Have you been with this guy? When was the last time you worked out with this guy? Where was the last time you hung out with this guy? Um, where have you been? Have you been going outside? Where have you been going outside? Have you gone to the supermarket lately? They're going to be asked a million questions, right? And um, while it's really probable that more than if the QB room gets the bug, 
um, that more than one of the QBs can't like play or have to isolate for whatever reason. I seriously doubt um, that it'll be more than like that's that's more than that's four guys. That's four guys going down if you want me to push the over. So it's got to be the under. Um, I I honestly think like this is this is uh, Blackman's last season to make a real lasting impression both uh, to the people in and around Tallahassee, both uh, to the some. Um, uh, to an old fan base and um, if he wants to go into the draft this is absolutely his last year to go and um, make a statement but leading up to the draft he's probably not going to get a starting spot unless he absolutely torches the ACC but um, he can definitely make a case for a solid uh, backup QB uh, maybe almost like an understudy QB for a couple of years until he's really ready to step into that role and if he can if he can make it there um I think what you'll see is if anything, like I, and I seriously doubt this, but if uh, Blackman goes down to injury um, or heaven forbid, if he goes down to COVID, I think you'll just see Jordan Travis uh, keep the ship steady and the uh, two or three weeks that we, uh, we, would, we would be missing um, Blackman on that field, right? I have a question. So does this over, uh, is this over under bet contingent on a full season? If it's a full season, does this bet still cash? Yeah, uh, no. Well, ah, what, I mean, what's a full season? Like, if any game gets canceled, let, let's saying, say they have to play nine games. Yeah. Okay. When, nine when game, games. I, I think a full season would constitute play isn't suspended indefinitely. Yeah. If, yeah. if a game is suspended, any that's more fine. than eight games. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, because I was going to say I like the under maybe because there's a chance the season gets canceled and maybe you only get a couple guys who play quarterback. So, I mean, there's always that chance. So, I might just play that odd there and take the under. So, you, you, you've got to you, – you know that Blackman's going to play a snap, mm-hmm. at least yeah. a snap. So, we got one. And you know that Travis is going gonna, is gonna to play mm-hmm. at some point. They're going to have some package drawn up for him. Yep. If you get to late in the season – you're probably going to have Rodemaker and or or Purdy get a chance to get in the game. You know they only, they can play up to four games and still maintain that their their red shirt. So with that being said, if you know you're getting Blackman, you know you're getting Travis, and then you're you're pretty sure you're either going to get a snap from either Rodemaker or Purdy. But we just gone through and said that if Purdy with Purdy's whole collarbone injury, which is about six weeks, and it's a bit of a tough injury to deal with. They might, like you said, they might redshirt him. So that would they be. He could still play week yeah. eleven. Yeah, but still, I mean, I wouldn't try and put a guy who just had a collarbone surgery and try and toss him back into live action full hits. Yeah, I would maybe wait a while for him. So I would say I still would take the under, even if a full season occurs. I, I think this question directly correlates with how you think Florida State's going to do this season, and. Yeah. Who knows how the season will go with COVID, but let's say we do have about nine, ten games, then I think Florida State's going to be 500, so we'll probably see at least three quarterbacks. So it's kind of right there with the line. I think it's a good line. So I'm going to go with the over if the season is fully finished. Um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting. I, I think I'm more in Gabe's line of thinking. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see – that's that's pretty common for a college football season you see three would be like a james blackman positive test you know again we're not predicting that but if if blackman or travis test positive then one of those other guys steps in that's what i'm thinking you see over three and a half 
you, you get four quarterbacks because all they have to do is take a snap. I'm not saying they have to start a game. I'm not saying they have to take X amount of snaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get, we didn't even include like if there is a trick play, like say DJ Matthews does get a play at quarterback or Travis J comes across from the defense and gets a play at quarterback. I, I, we could even say don't include those. So we could say from the guys that are listed as quarterbacks on Florida State's roster, scholarship or non-scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think, yeah, because again, I know they're being very, very cautious, but if one quarterback – test positive in that quarterback room, the odds of the, another one coming down to the positive test go up. Uh, again, they're going to try to mitigate as much risk as they can, but these guys are practicing together, and you kind of have to have the quarterbacks practicing at least a little bit together. So an interesting prop bet. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, we don't have to worry about it too much. Hopefully Florida State can find a guy and he can, he can uh, take them all the way through the season. Let's talk a little bit about the scrimmage that Florida State had on Saturday night. Uh, well, not a whole lot to talk about. One, th- one storyline that I kind of heard coming out of that game is uh, how good Deshaun Corbin looked. And they're going to run a lot of screen passes, maybe not as many bubble screens like you saw with the Taggart offense, uh, but trying to get the ball out of the backfield, uh, you know, have, have, a, have Corbin act as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Sounds like he's a pretty solid pass catcher. And they, they have trust in him to be able to make those plays. Gary, with Akers going to the draft, with Kalen Laburn uh, no longer being with the team, uh, how important is, is Corbin going to be for this Florida State team? Not just Corbin's important, but this whole running back room is going to be extremely important this year. And especially, by the way, if they do start to go running back by committee for these first few games, it's going to be crucial to have some sort of consistency be found early on, whether it be Corbin or some of the other guys on this roster, somebody has to step up early and somebody has to say, Hey, I'm the guy in this room. I'm going to be the leader. And chances are right now it's probably looking to be Corbin, but things can change. Something can happen. We saw with Purdy, he had the collarbone, uh, a broken collarbone in one of the scrimmages. So God forbid any of that happens because you don't want to see anyone hurt regardless of what team they play for. But these guys have to be ready at any moment because I, this is the year. I mean, we're seeing it with the Marlins. We're seeing it with the Cardinals. You got to be ready. It's next man up every single minute of every single day. Yeah, certainly. And other than that, besides the, the Purdy injury, which we've already talked about, um, not a whole lot else. Cause again, we're, we're media is not in person there at the scrimmage. They get to talk to some of the coaches and players afterwards via zoom, but it's just not the same. And which sucks. I mean, this all sucks, but the fact that we can't provide as much full coverage as, as we like to usually do uh, definitely sucks. But moving on, uh, Gabe, I, I know when we get a chance to talk soccer on the show, not only are Gary and Sebastian and I grateful, but we usually bring on a guest like you, and I know it's exciting. Uh, not so exciting for you this time as a fan of Barcelona who lost 8-2 in the Champions League quarterfinals against Bayern Munich, one of the probably the most red-hot team in Europe right now. What happened to Barcelona, man? Um, I don't think we've talked about the MLS's back tournament all. Would you rather talk about that, or is that like <laughs> – No, we're no, 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 too no, late for no, MLS's no, no. back. No. All right. Well, I just want <laughs> to say – trapped. <laughs> for, the, for the listeners out there, I'm wearing my Barcelona shirt. Uh, very proudly. So for all those people that say, hey, I just joined the Barcelona bandwagon in 2010. No, I'm, I'm going to be here and be loyal to my team. 
And uh, even if even if we go to the B division, I don't care. I'll be here. And with that <laughs> being said, <laughs> Barcelona got destroyed. I, I thought this was – okay, nobody thought this was going to happen, but I knew Barcelona didn't really have much of a shot other than, you know, messy magic happening. Barcelona – this is this has been six years coming. Um, there's a lot that can be said about this, but I'm just going to give praise to Bayern Munich first and foremost because, like you said, Brett, they're the best team in Europe right now. Liverpool might have something to say about that, but unfortunately, they they got destroyed in the or not destroyed. They got eliminated in the first round of the Champions League. And yeah, I think Bayern Munich are favorites for the Champions League this year. And I mean, the the way that they went about this game was perfect for them because Barcelona, their team that likes to play from the back and with Bayern Munich's high pressing, they didn't really have an outlet. They didn't, they couldn't go to the fullbacks and then play the balls into the midfield. And that pretty much just collapsed Barcelona. When you, when you play with two strikers with Messi and Suarez not defending, then you are essentially conceding a lot of space in the midfield for Bayern to just attack. And I think that's something that Barcelona didn't really consider in their game plan, and ultimately but, uh, bit them in the bat in the in the end. And it was one of their many downfalls. Many many downfalls. And so the Champions League, for for those aren't, who aren't aware, it's a 32 team, similar to the World Cup style. So it's like a, a it's like the European soccer playoffs, but it happens through the season while all these other, while these teams are all playing in their home countries and their leagues. And then, you know, they'll, they'll play on the weekends and then every other Wednesday they'll get together and they'll play in the champions league. It starts with 32 teams four eight groups of four, the top 16 move on to the knockout rounds. And then in every knockout round leading up to, to the final, to the, to the championship game, you play two legs. So you play one game at each team's stadium, the teams with the most goals on aggregate goes through. If there's a tie with those goals, the team who scored the most away goals goes through. And if that's still tied, then you go into extra time and potentially penalties in that second leg. With COVID-19, to be honest, we weren't sure that we were going to get to see the completion of the Champions League in 2020. They decided to bring it back. Uh, they, they went uh, to um, they went uh, they went to Portugal, and they're playing pretty much in a, in a bubble there. Um, but they shortened the the knockout stages. They're just playing one leg. They're not playing in a, a two-legged system, and uh, did not work out well for Barcelona. They they uh, lost the home, there was no home field for either team. They were playing in Portugal, and they lose this one eight to two. You get goals from from Thomas Muller, Ivan Perisic, Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller again, Joshua Kimmich. Robert Lewandowski potentially would have won the Ballon d'Or if they were giving it out this year. Felipe Coutinho scores twice in the last 10 minutes. And yeah, I mean, Byron are red hot. Let's talk about why though, uh, because this is a team I can't even remember the last time they won the Champions League. They've won the Bundesliga like eight years in a row now, but I want to talk about their back line and Joshua Kimmich at right back. They've moved David Alaba, who was a star left back for them for many, many years. They've moved him into a center back role this year. They've also got Jerome Boateng, who's been with the club for a long, long time. The one guy that's exciting, excited me the most, and he was amazing in this game against Barcelona, 
is the young Canadian fullback Alfonso Davis, who is straight out of Vancouver Whitecaps, made his debut in MLS at 16 years old and is now starting week in, week out for Bayern Munich, who look to be on their way to, to a Champions League win this season. Um, Gabe, like watching, uh, I watched Davis towards Chelsea for two matches. What was it like seeing him tear up? Was it Semedo that he was absolutely destroyed? What was that like watching him play? Well, speaking of Semedo, I've been just hoping that the club will sign a ride back since Donny Alves left. Uh, what was it, like five years ago? And since they tried Sergio Roberto and Semedo at right back multiple times, I've always felt like we've played with 10 men. And that was definitely what, I, what it felt like this game. It felt like we were playing with 10 men and we were missing a defender on the right side of the field. And that, that was essentially what happened whenever uh, Alfonso Davis just completely destroyed him, left him on the ground, and then didn't, gave an assist to Joshua Kimmich for I think it was like the sixth goal. And I lost track, honestly. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Alfonso Davis just, was just brilliant. He's pretty much the best left back in the world. Obviously, he's more of a left wing back than anything. But yeah, he's brilliant. He's, he's a wonder kid. I'm very excited to see him in the future. Uh, and also very excited to see him in Canada because there's not that many CONCACAF wonder kids these days, except for Christian Pulisic, the national American hero. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's somebody that I always enjoy watching. Sebastian, I want to throw this next topic to you. Uh, oh boy. Not much else to talk about with both Bayern Munich, but Manchester City eliminated again in the Champions League quarterfinals. A team that has dominated England uh, for the last few years. I know they did not win the title this year, Gary. We don't need to talk about that. We've talked about Liverpool enough, but City won the Premier League title the two previous years, and their model is similar to what Liverpool tried to recreate. Different in many ways, but the, the model of uh, that Pep Guardiola built at City to win back-to-back titles in the Premier League, which is almost unheard of, uh, was kind of what Liverpool was trying to duplicate. But they haven't had success in the Champions League. Sebastian, they lose 3-1 to Lyon, who is a good team. But in terms of competing on the, on the European stage, should not be beating Manchester City, especially not 3-1. What happened with Man City, and what do you think is next for, for Pep in that club? Well, I think the easiest answer is actually the, the answer to the second question, which is what is next? And I, I honestly think it's just go at it again. I don't know how uh, Pep will invest in his, in his side in the, uh, well, not really summer, but in the months to come with who he wants to bring in to um, augment his already incredible, impressive squad. Because that's the, that's the difficult thing. Like, where do you improve? Uh, city because they've got elite defense they've got any uh, they've got elite forwards uh, that midfield is under lockdown um, it almost feels like the only bad days that they have are on are on champions league days and it's it's bizarre um, you know they'll take no prisoners in the group stage but the second that they come to these elimination games and these home and away fixtures it's like the the wheels come off of uh, come off of the uh, the gravy train it's 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 difficult to explain. There's only one other side in Europe that I think is that bears that same curse, where they can farm their um, their local league and just have no no sort of form or luck really in in European contests, and that's uh, Paris Saint Germain PSG. 
uh, PSG, like, uh, it's a similar, like, um, similar makeup, similar look, you know, um, it's an elite squad who has no problem with, um, dominating their, uh, regional competitions. But when it comes to these, these games, something happens. Uh, now what's, what's in store for the future. I, it's been what, like, so two years ago, frankly, the Spurs had no business winning that game. They won it by the skin of their teeth on a correct call by uh, VAR. It was an incredible moment for uh, fans of the club, such as myself. Uh, but let's let's be honest that that call doesn't go their way. Somebody's out of position um, for Spurs, and and Spurs are not in the final that year. It'd have been a Spurs Liverpool, and I would have taken or a City Liverpool final, and I would have taken City all the way. Uh, no offense, Gary, but you know. Um, if we look one year further removed when Liverpool were up against uh, Madrid, you understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, City really have no excuse um, apart from, you know, um, with with the Spurs year, it was maybe you could stack that up to just a, a bad hand dealt um, that game because that game was, well, frankly, just completely wild from start to finish. Um, it was one of the games where... Um, uh, where Lucas uh, Mura for for Spurs had one of the, one of the two games of his life so far, uh, the other one being against Ajax in the semifinal. Um, but um, so what is it like an act of so in one game it was an act of God and in this game it's just being outplayed by the competition. Leon is a very competent, a capable side, but like you said, Brett, they're not world beaters. They can't even win in their own league, they're a league famously farmed by by PSG um, something like is it is it mentality well not really because Pep Pep knows how to win uh, Pep knows how to instruct the squad to win games that that squad is comprised of champions regional champions of their of, of their competition of the Premier League and of the uh, assorted um, FA Cups that they've won uh, so what is it I, I honestly cannot tell you that it's it the Champions League devolves into who plays better um, on both pitches, you know, um, where, uh, you know, Barcelona had a phenomenal outing at Camp de Nou last year. But when they finally arrived at Anfield, they, they could not hang in that atmosphere. Now, there's nobody in the stands. Um, are they all in Are they all in Portugal right now? Are they still playing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are in Portugal. Um, yeah. Um, so they're, they're playing in Lisbon, correct? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so they're playing. They're all playing in Lisbon, so there's no atmosphere. There's no nothing. I'm running out of excuses here to to reason with you all to say, okay, well, maybe this didn't go in the way of Manchester City, and I think that's that's what this boils down to. Um, um, Manchester City is what's wrong. I don't think it's Pep Guardiola. Uh, Pep Guardiola, time and time and time again, has proven himself to be incredibly competent. Granted, he has. million hundreds of millions of pounds is his budget because of his um the uh the ownership of uh the city organization uh but uh, time and time and again you can have all the money in the world as we've seen with other clubs across across the planet and there's no there's no better um means of winning trophies than uh the mind of a manager and competence at the managerial level if you don't well, have I'm that you'll never win I can give you one reason why this game wasn't a lot closer than it should have been. It's because Raheem Sterling can't make a shot when the goal's <laughs> wide open. I mean, that, that, I baffling, can't really say I'm, anything about that. But after all, English captain Kane, uh, Harry Kane. Yeah. 
um, couldn't say on the thing, but I knew, I knew he had reasons. Well, to, my to friends, be. my friends in a group chat, they, somebody sent in a whole two minute uh, montage of just Raheem Sterling missing wide open passes or wide open goals. So, I mean, I, it's just something that I don't know why he can't put together at the right time. But... I mean, with, with, with Raheem Sterling, when, when you're in that position, your job is to take strikes, right? All the time or finish. Yeah. If you can't like, Naturally, like finishing is one thing and take strikes is another. But if you take enough strikes, you're going to have a pile of misses. Oh, of course. Uh, but still, you you, that's a shouldn't be, that, that was, you shouldn't be missing that, though. That's, that was especially egregious. Feet. Yeah, that was yeah. especially egregious. That would have been game-changing right there. That would have provided the what we would perceive to be the expected result. Once again, um, this time it's a French team, a French team that isn't PSG, that is the gatekeepers for City. It's unbelievable, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Sterling goal would have made it uh, 2-2. And then Lyon, after Sterling misses that, goes and increases their lead. And this is already late in the game, seals the deal. They're on their way to, to the semifinal where they're going to come up against PSG – or where they're going to come up against Bayern, rather, and have absolutely zero chance to, to get to the final. Um, but with that being said, I mean, it would be a very commendable effort by Lyon to get there. So we've got two semifinals. Going to be played this week and then the final this Sunday. So before you hear from us again, the Champions League will be all wrapped up and done. They're getting the games done very quickly uh, because some of these, I think, the, I think France, like the league is starting up this coming weekend. England's only a few because well, they didn't restart at all. Oh, they you're right. They did season. just kind of end the year because, exactly. yeah. Is this yeah, the first right. year of the Uber Eats Ligue or was that last yeah, year? Something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that one of the reasons why I thought Lyon had a good game plan was because they they had to not account for fitness as much as City did because true. City was essentially playing four games – or not four games, a game every four days uh, with the restart of the league, which France didn't have. And not just that, but Manchester City hasn't had a reliable se- second center back other than uh, Eric Garcia, who got injured for a minute, and he's – an academy player from Barcelona who has very little experience as a first team player. And I think Pep didn't feel comfortable with just playing with two center backs. And that's why we kind of saw in the game that he played with three center backs when they were attacking. And that's what I think was your ultimate downfall because they played right into the Leon strength. They didn't have that strength in the midfield that they could have uh, just completely annihilated them there because that is what Manchester city's strength is. They have David Silva, they have, Bernardo Silva, they have Gundogan, they have De Bruyne, they have all these players, but in the end, they didn't really play to their strengths. And that's why I think Pep kind of overthought it, even though I can see why. And who knows, maybe with the Raheem Sterling uh, finish actually going in, it would have been a complete different story. But either way, I think it's a little bit too close for me, considering Leon was seventh in the league before the uh, halting of, the, of European soccer in general. So for that, I got to criticize Pep a little bit, but I still respect him a lot. Like, don't, don't look for anybody else to, to, to talk about Pep Guardiola. I can go hours on talking about his greatness and what he's brought to world soccer, not just Barcelona. Yeah, you know, you look at Lyon and Leipzig, both came out of Group G. They're probably the weakest group in the Champions League, uh, also joined by Benfica and uh, Zenit St. Petersburg in that group. Leon get eight points, two wins, two draws, two losses from that group. They advance, and uh, yeah, now they're going to get a chance to play in the semifinal against Bayern Munich. The other semifinal, we've got RB Leipzig playing against PSG. RB Leipzig 
commendable effort for them to get there, but they're going to be without, you know, their main man for the entire season in the last few seasons, Timo Werner, who's already signed and joined Chelsea. Do you guys think that Leipzig or Lyon, either of those teams have any chance of making it to Sunday's final? There's no doubt in my mind that Baron will continue their their march to the final. They are in full take no prisoners mode. They were in take no prisoners mode b- before the break, and they very clearly have not let up. This team was in seventh at one point in their regional con- or their uh, national contest in the Bundesliga um, early on in the season. And they completely turned that ship around. It's a it's a um, it's a core that has legends in its center, such as Lewandowski. Uh, and I am convinced that they will, they are far and away my favorite. Now my, on the other side of the, uh, the, the, the semifinals bracket, I do believe that for whatever reason, when, when I see a younger team, such as an RB Leipzig, um, although with the reservations about it being owned by, by, you know, the 51 plus one rule and the, the cultural element of how negative that is for uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know at home, um, German, uh, the German national league for soccer is, is interesting because it's, you know how the Packers work where there there are like shareholders and it's, it's people in and around green Bay that own shares in the green Bay Packers. Uh, the green Bay Packers are very, uh, are bound at the hip. Um, to the state of Wisconsin and, and, the, and the city of Green Bay. Um, every single team in the Bundesliga is the same way. They have this rule, which is called 50 plus one. 50 plus one uh, essentially means that 51% of the, no um, individual can own more than 50% of a, of a team. Uh, so 51% of an organization um, for soccer in in the Bundesliga will be owned by the people of that region typically or that area or that town or city um, and they're all shareholders so everybody kind of has skin in the game um, there are certain um, or companies or multinational corporations that have kind of gamed that system where they'll take like control of a company I forget there's one that's owned by Volkswagen um, I forget what it's called, frankly, and the um, and the Red Bull company, um, the makers of the energy drinks, have um, owned I think two two clubs at one time. I know RB Stuttgart. I don't. I'm not sure if they still own RB Stuttgart, but I know I that so. they. Um, or Salzburg. Have, Salzburg. I think that might be it. So they have mm-hmm. Salzburg, and they have um, more importantly um, RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig is notable because, you know, they are the ones making waves, uh, the ones taking it to the um, longtime giants of the, um, of the Bundesliga, uh, your Borussia Dortmunds uh, and your Bayern Munchens. Um, there is a lot of sentiment or resentment towards them in Germany, and a lot of uh, fans of rival clubs would like to see them fail because it feels like a, a purchased win for them. It's almost like uh, Manchester City uh, for Premier League fans. You don't want to win. Be- you don't want them to win because they're not a real club. They're a plastic club made from uh, illegitimate money. I mean, it's a little more extreme for us, uh, for City since it is oil money from uh, a questionable regime in the Middle East. But um, you kind of get my point. It, it feels like yeah. an artificial thing. But um, that is 
on like a team level, that is a much hungrier team than PSG. PSG feels um, like they've kind of, even though they've wholeheartedly earned their spot in the semifinals, they finally have that monkey off their back. They are very similar, like I said earlier in the show, to um, Manchester City, where they haven't been able to get to that point um, in the Champions League contest. They're now there. Um, maybe they're a little more focused, maybe a little more. I can see the goal. Um, it's time for us to finally take it. But um, the younger hunger that I see from Leipzig makes it makes me feel like I'm going to see a uh, an all Bundesliga final in the um, on Sunday this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of controversy surrounding Leipzig. Uh, real quick before we get to NBA, let's just throw out our Champions League picks. I've got Bayern winning it all. Just seeing what they've done to Chelsea, and then right away again to Barcelona. Don't think they can be stopped. I think they're the most on form. I know PSG, they're still dealing with some injury injury issues, including to Kylian Mbappe. They barely got past Atalanta. It was an incredible game there. Another, Atalanta is another really good story about how they've progressed this far into the competition. Uh, I think they'll handle uh, Leipzig. We're going to get a PSG and Bayern final. I don't think it's going to be that. Uh, I, mean, I think it's going to be a really good game, but uh, Bayern will win handily. Uh, give me, give me Bayern three one. Gary, I'll have to go with Sebastian. I kind of like the all German final going Leipzig and Bayern, but obviously, you got to feed the hot hand, and the hot hand right now is Bayern. So I'm going to give Bayern by at least two goals. Uh, Gabe, uh, an all German final would be pretty interesting, but I don't really give it much of a shot <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, I think PSG will win probably by two goals. And, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Bayern do against PSG in the final, if that's the case, because they play a pretty high line. And if there's one weakness to that is that you can have runners in behind. And with Mbappe and Neymar, my goodness, that could be a problem for them. But I think uh, they will be smart enough to know when they have to stop pressing as much. And for that, I think Bayern are just going to win it all um, and just go down in history as another treble winning team, a team that beat Barcelona 8-2. I still honestly can't believe it. And uh, I think the final score would probably be 3-1. Yeah. 3-1. Three picks for Bayern. Sebastian, are you going to change it up? Uh, well, I've just kind of made the case for an all Bundesliga final. And um, Bayern, like I, like I said, is kind of a, a take-no-prisoners team this year. Uh, it's, it's almost frightening how, how dominant they've been. It's completely disrespectful to to any side they've really faced. Uh, they burned. Let's see who they've burned. They've burned Spurs, a former finalist. They've burned Chelsea, uh, Champions League winners in the past, and an incredibly strong side in their um, national contest. And most recently, uh, they torched <clears throat> Barcelona, um, second place in La Liga. It's it's very difficult um, to make a case for them, and in my opinion, it's it's impossible to make a case against them uh, going into the final. So I, will, I won't predict the score. I do believe it'll be a, a Leipzig final or a, a Leipzig-Bayern final. Uh, and that's all I really have to say about the matter. All righty. So let's get into the NBA playoffs. First round got started today. We're going to go through our, our first round picks uh, and uh, give kind of a preview on, on the NBA playoffs. I think it's been really exciting and a really great um, product since returning to uh, the NBA down in Orlando. 
But now we're getting into the playoffs. We got through the little play-in uh, series, or it didn't really turn into a series. Portland wins in game one, does not have to play a second game against the, uh, against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. But now we're into the playoffs. Let's talk about some players to watch. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, he's already played a game, so I am cheating a little bit, but it's Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets, a series that I think is going to be one of the best in the first round, and it was a really great start to that today in game one. But Donovan Mitchell drops 57 points. He's the youngest player to drop that many points in an NBA playoff game since Michael Jordan. Uh, he was incredible throughout the game. Had to step up. Mike Conley had to leave the bubble. He is on paternity leave for the birth of his child. He could be back by the end of round one, but honestly, don't know. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell stepped up big time, forced the game to go into overtime. You had really great performances from Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray from Denver. Utah forces overtime. They lose 135-125, kind of dropped a stinker in overtime. But Donovan Mitchell is my player to watch. If the, Utah, if the Utah Jazz have any chance to advance in that series, it's going to be because of Donovan Mitchell. He is my player to watch. Gary, who are you looking at? Well, this one's going to be a little bit more near and dear to the series that I'll be following the most, and that's the Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers. And it's going to be someone from the Indiana Pacers, and that's TJ Warren. He's really going to be the lifeblood of this team when it comes to if they're going to beat the Heat or if they're going to be sent home early. So, I don't know. He he played last time he played against the Heat. He did not play on, was it Friday night, where the Pacers won 109 to 92 but in the game that he played last time against the heat on uh was that august 10th the heat won 114 to 92 and i believe warren only scored about 12 points so when he doesn't play well this team really does not come together and the heat when i think i think the heat are going to win the series ultimately but tj warren's going to be the crux of if this pacers team can steal a few games definitely gabe any players you're looking at Oh, yeah. I, I'm very interested to see Luka Doncic. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, his NBA playoff debut is today, I think. And, yeah, they're about to tip off in a little bit yeah. at the time of recording. And uh, hopefully we get to watch him. But, yeah, he's my player to watch. It'll be interesting to see how he does against PG-13 and Kawhi Leonard. He's going to be facing them primarily probably throughout the whole series. And, I mean, he's a future possible MVP for the league. So it'll be interesting to see just how he can carry the franchise because we've seen players in the past like Anthony Davis and even Damian Lillard uh, currently just try to be the superstars that they are and, and do a little bit too much and ultimately not get where they need to be in the playoffs. So I just want to see if they can get it to six games possibly. For me, I uh... – I got I to gotta apologize real quick. So I, I almost let this alarm go off because I had an alarm uh, go off for me at exactly 9 o'clock because you know what time is 9 o'clock tonight? Or no, it's tomorrow night. Well, that joke is around. But you know what time it'll be tomorrow at 9 o'clock um, on TNT? It'll be Dame time. And that's who I'm watching mm. this season. Oh, okay. Um, absolutely, um, you know, our bubble MVP for this season probably won't have another bubble MVP. So, I mean, that's more bubble MVP than Jordan, than Abuja Bar. You know, that, he's, in, he's in great company, which is just himself. He's, he's absolutely, he absolutely torched uh, the bubble this season. I was um, really excited to see him play. 
had uh, more threes from just the logo than I could count. It was uh, a lot of fun to see him. I would also like to give my um, almost like a, a moment of silence uh, for the Suns, another super hot bubble team. It's a damn shame we couldn't see them in the playoffs. Um, thanks in part to this man right here, uh, Damian Lillard. But um, I really want to see him absolutely light up the Lakers. Maybe it's because I, I, I got beef with the Lakers. I don't like them this year. Uh, they are the big bad um, of the league for me. But um, it, it, this series is, is far and away my favorite. It's at 9 o'clock um, every night, and with the exception of the, the 22nd. So after our show, um, we'll be, we'll be so, watching the series. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited about the Trailblazers this year. So, Sebastian, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're buying into the whole Blazers right now. I don't, I'm not in on this i don't know i don't think they're going to beat the lakers but it sounds like you might be a little bit in on the whole blazers well, derangement syndrome the, let's get the to blazers that. are the perfect meme team for anybody <laughs> who wants to ride the wave so you've got damian lillard who is the coldest man in the playoffs of the past three years mm -hmm. you've got hassan whiteside who is probably like when if you followed miami over the past when when did they leave like last year no, he left two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. Uh, basically played his, played his heart out to get paid and then didn't really do anything afterwards, if I remember correctly. Um, Hassan Whiteside is like a, a man where, where if he's convinced he will torch you, he will torch you, but uh, otherwise he is very tepid. And you've got Carmelo Anthony in the year of our Lord 2020. Fab Mello. Fab Mello uh, has actually carved his, his, his own little niche out on the Trailblazers this season and has put in a uh, production that is frankly surprising. Um, I liked the way they played. Um, the last matchup between these teams, these two teams, was January 31st, 2020. Uh, Damian Lillard dropped uh, 48 points that game. Um, this man is this man is on the warpath, and I cannot wait to see what the, what happens in Game One. So it's my bad. Hassan left after the eighteen nineteen season with Miami. Just felt forever ago since he's left. But might as well the, be two seasons ago. Pretty much. But with the with the Trailblazers, they haven't had to face zero dark thirty twenty three LeBron James. <laughs> so it's a whole different story when it comes to LeBron in the playoffs. So I don't think maybe they steal one or two games from this, but. I mean, I still do, got the do you Lakers. remember when, when LeBron preemptively popped uh, playoff mode to try and get to playoffs last year do, um, while he was, like, fighting that groin injury? Yeah, that, that was a bad move. We, we kind of ignore that one. But Zero Dark 3023 is for real once he gets to the playoffs. And I think this time around, I don't really – he's not going to let – he's not going to let the Trailblazers ruin this Laker party right now. I don't know. The, no uh, chance the Lakers go on the first round. No chance. Yeah, exactly. Don't make them sweat, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I will say games. maybe two, maybe two games. Five Let's games. get to that. Let's get to our picks. Let's gonna yeah. go. We're going to go kind of rapid fire here. Uh, I, I want your pick to win the series and, and how many games. The NBA is going to provide Tomahawk Talk a ton of content uh, through the month of October. Uh, or through, Yeah, all the way through the month of October. I think October 13th would be uh, the potential game seven for the NBA Finals. But let's start in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee and Orlando. Orlando pretty comfortably got in there as the eighth seed, but obviously Milwaukee had an incredible season. They're the number one seed led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll take the Bucks in four. The, I think that series went five games last year. Uh, this year the Bucks have gotten better. Giannis has gotten better. The Magic eh, kind of gotten better. 
but we'll take take the Bucks in four. Gary, who you got? I got. I was going to go Bucks in four as well. I just don't think the Magic can be able to stand up right now to the uh, to Milwaukee. So it's going to be an easy pick for Giannis. Make it three. That's Bucks in four here. Over Bucks in four. Oh, come on, man. You if like Luke Fay. I don't know if he's taking a nap right now, but I can see him right now. He just woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs> and then uh, that pop attack. <laughs> he's like, I feel it. I sense it in the force. There is disrespect to the Orange, the Orlando Magic. I got him winning at least one game. Come on. Like, you, you, like, somebody. Luke might give Matt, uh, Bucks and five. Yeah, I, I, I think out of, like, respect for, for my man Luke Fay, I will give them. I, you know what? I'll be generous. I will say Bucks and Six. I will oh, subscribe no to the that's cursed, that's the, ridiculous. The cursed words. No Bucks and Six. I realistically believe Bucks and Five, but also Bucks and Six. Just it's poetic, you know. This, this next series, I do have going five games. Uh, give me the Heat and Five. I think they're better than the Five seed. It's really a matter of what Pacers team we're going to see. I've seen some really exciting Pacers teams, but also some not so much. Uh, they ended up with the four seeds still. Give me the Heat in, in five in this one. Yeah, see, that I'm just worried about what if the good Pacers come out to play in this series. So that's why I was leaning towards six in maybe seven games. But either way, I'm taking Miami. I'll go with six games for the Heat. Gabe? Yeah, I'm going with Miami on six. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Jimmy Butler does in this series. He's got a lot of work to do on defense, <laughs> let's just say. But, uh, yeah, I think he in six pretty comfortably. Sebastian? I, I don't think this this game – or this series is uh, a game of inches. These teams are, in, are incredibly even. Um, I think – you know, uh, I've, I've spoken many a praise to the Miami Heat over the um, – in, in past episodes. Uh, I love the Heat. Uh, especially this season with, with their, with the cultural element really, really shines with the cast of uh, players that they have there. You know, um, Jimmy Butler is the, the working culture, uh, like a, a physical manifestation of that culture. Uh, so I, you know, I, if I could see both of these teams go forward, I would absolutely love to. Um, but I think it'll be a, a, a game of inches. Um, I think, didn't this, didn't the first game go final? just now no uh, he'd have yet to play they, they play, play tomorrow night on play tuesday tomorrow. night i'm on for two on my scheduling i'm washed you're good the um but i i think it'll this game this series will go to the distance i'm calling multiple overtimes and a game seven. Oh gosh that's gonna have me nervous and who you got winning it miami oh uh yeah miami and seven with an overtime in game seven give me three oh, wow. overtimes interesting okay wow. um Boston, Philadelphia, give me Boston. They've already they just took a one nothing lead, so we, we we know the results to to three of the four games that are played on day one. Uh, give me the Celtics in five. Oh, okay. I was this game was played pretty close. I mean, right now it's one hundred five one hundred one. At least I see on my computer screen. But I'm gonna go. Oh, it's final now. One hundred nine one hundred one Celtics. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. Celtics, I'm taking them in seven, but this okay. game's gonna this is gonna go long. I really feel I mean, without Ben Simmons for Philly's gonna hurt them, but it could also kind of help them because Ben doesn't shoot too well. I think there are some stats that show that when when Embiid 
when you're playing with just one of Embiid or Simmons, the, the, the Sixers play better, and mm-hmm. Embiid's really going to have to carry that team. I don't know if he can do that for the length of the series. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he has, like, maybe they dominate one night and Embiid goes off and they, you know, they win by 20 or 30 uh, and they win that game, but I, he's going to get exhausted by the end of this thing. Yeah, I can see that. Gabe? Yeah, I think that, that theory of them playing with that one of them on the court at the same time is essentially what happened with the Celtics last year with Kyrie. But I don't know. I think they would have probably been better off with Ben Simmons in the playoffs. So for that, I think I'm going to go with Celtics and six. Celtics and six. Sebastian? I am currently giving my energy to my man, Matisse Thibault. I just want more. I want more. Welcome to the bubble episodes. I'm pretty shameless. This is now. It has been zero days since Sebastian has last shouted out Matisse Thibault. <laughs> Welcome to the bubble. Reset the counter. Um what do you have? He had five points, uh, two for three, uh, one for two from beyond the arc. Uh, not a bad showing from him, but, I, you know, it's 26 points from Joel Embiid. Um, like you guys said, he will have to um, kind of take charge of this team once and for all. Make It's his Sixers now. It's not him and Ben Simmons' Sixers. It's his Sixers. Um, I really want to see um, a, a drawn-out series. I originally – before uh, Ben Simmons went out, I wanted I wanted to see the Sixers go forward. I thought they finally had him in them. Um, they they more than anybody else in this league have something to prove instead of being perpetual, you know, contenders that will always like blow it in the last minute of a game. Um, I think out of anybody, they had the most to prove, and I don't think they have enough this season with the loss of Ben Simmons. Uh, so I will say Celtics and six. I, I think. Um, Embiid might have it in him to overproduce for a couple games at the most, but if him not being able to, you know, push his team through is what I can, you can't peg it on him all. Yeah. You can't peg it all on him, but I, I think it's just, it's not there for the Sixers this year. Unfortunately, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, but um, yeah, the, Cel- the Celtics will um, go ahead and move forward. Congratulations to Kemba Walker, by the way, winning his first ever playoff game or his, his, his first playoff game. It's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good for him. Uh, last matchup in the East, Raptors, Nets, uh, besides the Bucks Magic Series, and maybe even more so, I think. Uh, this one's going to be really lopsided. Uh, Raptors already won game one. I've got them sweeping. Uh, I know I've got, like, really no long series in the, in the East for the first round. But, yeah, give me the Raptors in four. Uh, the Nets, obviously, very depleted. Um, still some talent, but Raptors in four. I'm going with your Raptors in four as well. Easy series for Toronto. Gabe? Yeah, same here, Raptors in four. I think this is a squad that wants to prove that they were not just a Kawhi uh, Leonard-led team. This is a team that is very well coached. They they play good defense, and I think it'll show in this series. Fully agree with you there, man. Sebastian? The Nets got to the playoffs without uh, two of what were going to be their main men. Uh, It's commendable enough, but I don't think they go any further. I just don't like calling sweeps because I'm always, I'm, I was about to, I bit my tongue because I was about to say uh, Raptors in five, but I'm like, who am I kidding? The, the, the different, the gap between these two teams is a mile wide. Um, 134, uh, 110 out of the two or th- out of three games that we've had tonight. Um, it's the largest deficit by far, 24 points. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I have no choice here, but to say Raps in four. Yeah, I mean, the only chance the Nets would take a game is if they just come out shooting really well, which they did a couple times in the bubble, but it would be a really, really solid game from their guys. Let's move over to the West. 
this series starts tomorrow or today, today this will come out. Uh, Lakers and Blazers, we've talked about this series a lot already leading up to our picks, so let's just go ahead and give our picks. Uh, I've got the Lakers in, in, in five. I almost said six, but five. I still think the Lakers are the best team in the NBA, so Lakers in five. Screw it. Stomp on Slim Mellow's dreams. Lakers in four. No. no. End it. Let's end the hype. Let's just let's call it. Let's just stop like it all. Let, end the hype ended in like 2014 for Mellow. No, with the, just, no, no, no. With just this. With just the Trailblazers team. With just this um, team. Yeah, I, I like four. that. Gabe, Gary, I sent some of that hate coming from the the lack of the the Suns appearing in the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the Lakers are also the best team, Brett. And I'm calling it in five with a LeBron triple-double throughout the series. Ooh, I like that. Good I like call. that. Smash Good, call. Good call. All of you are haters. And more importantly, all of you are wrong haters. Uh, give me the Trailblazers. Give me the oh. Trailblazers. Trailblazers in six. Oh, uh, my God. Oh. No chance. Dame no time chance. will strike. Not once, not twice, but three times. In this I, I like watching Dame play. I like watching CJ McCollum play. I think the, play, the Blazers have a good team. And if they were in a different part of this bracket, I think they would have a chance to advance at least to this conference semis. But no chance against the Lakers. All right, four, five wait, matchup. One, one more thing. One more Go thing. Ahead. And the last game will be a dagger. And I will have the ghost of Chris Camacho haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> you probably will. You definitely will, actually. All right, we've got Rockets and Thunder in the 4-5 matchup. Uh, interesting series. Russell Westbrook might be out for a few games in this one. Uh, obviously, uh, him and James Harden, both former members of the OKC Thunder. I still really like the Rockets, and, I, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong for putting my trust into the playoffs for James, James Harden, uh, but I'm going to do it. I think this one goes the distance. Give me Rockets in seven. And not my two favorite teams to watch in the NBA, but this could be a really good series. I think this is going to be the best series to watch out of all the first round ones. And I'm a heat fan, but I really do. I think the thunder, I don't know. Someone's saying to me about the thunder and seven, because I don't know, revenge of CP3. He wants to stick it to the Rockets, say, this is what you get for trading me. And he's going to play with a fire lit under him. All right. Yeah. The like disrespect that. that the Rockets get always like bothers me because they are one of the highest producing teams in the league. And people are, are still going like, I don't know, man. Like uh, the, the, Harden has been playing better than ever in the bubble. And I, I firmly believe that he, since he hasn't like left the bubble or anything, and he's, it, it doesn't seem like he's, he's going to be out of the picture for the Rockets at any point in this playoff, um, playoff run. I think they have a serious shot at another title. Um, if, if Portland goes forward, like I think they will, or like I want them to, um, then, then Houston is better positioned than anybody to really take it to them um, and yeah. this bubble. Uh, the other side of the bracket, all you're really looking at is the Clippers and the Clippers. Uh, we'll get to in a second. But um, for me, it's going to be the Rockets in the conference final uh, from these four teams, oh, without wow. a doubt. Uh, give me Rockets in four. Wow, sweeping the thunder. I like that. Gabe, what's your pick? So I'm not a believer in James Harden in the playoffs. By no means. But I got to respect the man. And I also don't think OKC has an off and offense to just combat the small ball of the Rockets. So for that, I think Rockets and five, honestly. Rockets and five? I, I would not be surprised if it went six. So 
I do think this series, given like how many unknowns there are, we don't know. This has been the most variance, I think, in all of our picks uh, between like how many games and who's going to win. The fact that Westbrook's out, the fact that like this is the first year for like these new identities for these teams. The Rockets obviously transitioning to small ball. They, they trade Clint Capella to Atlanta. Uh, you know, obviously Russell Westbrook's no longer with the Thunder. He's on the other side now. The Thunder have Chris Paul. They've kind of changed their identity after moving on from, from their big three that they had so much success under. So this is going to be an interesting series in terms of storylines. And really, I had no idea how this one's going to go. That's why I had to go in seven. Going down to Denver versus Utah. Game one's already been played. Denver took it. 135, 125 in overtime. I already talked about Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz, 57 points, an incredible performance, and how he really had to carry the load for Mike Conley not being there. And my pick's a little dependent on whether or not Mike Conley comes back, you know, quickly. If he's back by – because once he comes back into the bubble, he's got to quarantine four days. Um, If he's back for for game three, uh, I think that's going to be a huge help for the Jazz. And this is probably my most bold pick of the first round. I'm usually pretty chalked, uh, but I've got the Jazz coming back in this one. They're already down a game and winning this one in, in, in seven. Jazz in seven. I don't know. I just like the length too much that uh, – the length that Denver has too much. So, I, I don't know. I'm going to ride with the Nuggets, and I think I, I'm going to take them in six. Nuggets Joker in six. looked really good today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me to pick against the Nuggets, given how they looked and how Jamal Murray looked. Mm-hmm. He had almost 40 points. Um, so, yeah, the, the Nuggets are, are, are a darn good team. Yep. So, I have another confession to make. I think I can count in my hand how many times I've watched these two teams play. <laughs> year or two so just keep that in mind but yeah I think the Nuggets are gonna win uh, it's hard to tell honestly with the conditions no home field advantage I think that's really gonna hurt the Nuggets um, but I, I'll go with Nuggets and six Nuggets and six Sebastian Donovan uh, Mitchell man what a show what an absolute show today great performance great performance 57 points that puts them at third and the highest playoff scoring games of all time uh, a list that features Michael Jordan not once but twice um, beat out Mike's lower score I think Mike is still at the top of the mountain with 63 points um, with that said I, I Joker looked really good Today, as you said, uh, Mitchell looked obviously phenomenal. I'm thinking, keep them on. My, I, I'm not expecting him to drop 40 every game, but if you're going to drop 30 every game, I think they've got this. Um, yeah. Give me, give me Nuggets and six. Nuggets and six. All right. Going to the last series there at the time of recording, I think their first game's tipping off right around now. Uh, but Clippers and Mavericks, it's a 2 7 matchup, but you could make the argument that this is one of going to be the most competitive game uh, series in the first round. I, I would slow probably the most there. watched series. I will slow your roll there because I'm looking at the live ticker right now. And you want to take a guess at what the score is right now, Brett? Are the Clippers dominating? It is eight. Uh, there's eight minutes left in the first, and the Clips are up 14 on the Mavs, 18 to four. Oh wow! Mm, yeah, yeah, well, it's early. Good. One run from the Mavs, and they'll be back in it. I, I do think the Clippers are going to win this series, though. Uh, I think they're the deepest team in the NBA. I still really like the Lakers. I don't know. I've gone back and forth. Lakers, Clippers all year. Um, but in this series, I still really like the Clippers. I think they're a more well-rounded team. I think the series could produce some very good games, a lot of very close games, maybe a couple overtimes. 
Uh, but I still think the Clippers are going to win this one in five. I just think they're a much better team. But it, seeing Kawhi and Luka and PG and Chris Stops and all these other great players that are involved in this series, it's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, but it's going to be one of those at the end. You're going to be like, that only went five games. It felt like that was a lot closer. Give me the Clippers in five. I don't know, man. I like I like how LA is playing right now just by watching these first few minutes. And I think I might be taking the Clippers in four. I think Ooh, I might be sweet. over the sweep. Doncic, Doncic and Porzingis aren't going to be able to do enough to match up with this team. I don't know. I like Kawhi Just give them much. one game. Doncic could go off for one game. Like, like when I say go off, like for Doncic, that's like 50 points. <laughs> yeah, but still, they. but then the Lakers still – or the Clippers still have Kawhi, George. They even got Terrence Mann who Terrence popped Mann. off the other night. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was one assist away from a triple-double. There you go. So, I mean, they got they got shooters everywhere. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat. So, I, that's why I'm taking Clippers in four. Clippers in four. Gabe? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a gentleman sweep, actually. And okay. I think the Mavericks' defense will be their biggest problem. I mean, there's no way they're going to combat Kawhi and PG-13 and the rest of the crew. Um, it's just a matter of just what, what are Luka and Persing is going to be able to do. So, we'll see. Sebastian? Uh, the Clips are my pick to make the conference finals this year um, on that side of the bracket. I don't think the Mavs will be too much of a stopping block. Uh, I was thrilled to see uh, Terrence Mann out and um, performing uh, this past week. It was really, for, for me, it was a big deal because it's the first time that a, that a uh, not just a seminal product, but like a, a product or a, a player who played at a collegiate level that I personally covered um put on a big show on a big stage um in a national game it was it was really exciting because i was like man i covered that guy. i talked to the guy in a press and uh at press conferences and stuff like that it was, a, it was a cool moment for me personally that was cool um but um i'm hoping that he, he gets minutes in this playoff series because i have him uh comfortably i have the clips comfortably taking it over the mavericks i don't i i'm very hesitant to call a fifth game i want to say a fourth game depend really depends on on how this game goes if the Mavs go on a hot streak and make it somewhat close going into the half i think it'll be an, an interesting watch and i'd be comfortable with saying five or six games otherwise it's just four yeah, you know, the Clippers would really need, I think, put, put the beat down on the Mavericks if uh, Terrence Mann gets any minutes in this series. But I'd love to see it. I'd be going nuts. I love the guy and, and glad to see him succeeding at the NBA. He's had a really good rookie season for, for a second-round pick. Uh, made a couple starts for L.A. earlier in the season and really glad to just to see him succeed out there. Um, so, yeah, we've done all of our picks for the first round. Like I said, the NBA playoffs – with the Stanley Cup playoffs, with baseball heading towards their postseason, you might—I don't know when the NHL's finishing their like postseason up, but there might be a time where you've got MLB, NHL, and NBA playoffs all going on at the same time. College football and NFL are going to be going on. That is going to create some incredible content for Tomahawk Talk. And when Sports I say that, speaking two hour not shows. about myself, because announcement next week is my last show as host of Tomahawk Talk. Uh, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, started back in January, took over for the great Luke Fay. Obviously, our, our, our plans for the show and uh, doing it live and in studio changed a lot with, with the pandemic. Uh, good news is we're back on campus next week. So, so my final show is going to be live on WVFS Monday night, 7 o'clock, our normal time slot. And we're going to have a lot more information and a couple announcements about the show moving forward. 
uh, uh, next Monday night. But yeah, this is going to be my last podcast episode. Hopefully everyone's last podcast only episode for a while. Don't worry. Our shows will still be uploaded as podcasts, but we're just going to be able to get to do them live. So you can listen either online at wvfs.fsu.edu or live in Tallahassee at, on 89.7 FM. And that's, that's going to be so exciting to be back there. It's going to be a little different. Uh, so next week's show is going to be just me, Gary, and Sebastian. I'll be in the studio with my mask on. Gary will be in our tank where you usually hear Seminole's segment with his mask on. Sebastian will be in the production booth with his mask on. We're going to be very cautious just because we'll do anything we can to get back in the radio station uh, and, and talk to you guys live because that's the medium that this show was meant to be done on. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a very fun send-off. We're going to get to see uh, the, the first – you know, probably the first half of these first round series get played out over the next week. Uh, we're going to have plenty of stuff to talk about. I'm pumped for it. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, that, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Tomahawk Talk. Big thank you as always to our producer, Sebastian Giuliano. For Gabe Tisnes and Gary Putnick, I'm Brett Rutherford, and I'll talk to you guys one last time next week. <laughs>